All right. Who's glad to be at church today? Y'all excited or what, man? I am. I'm pumped up. I'm so glad to be here. We are starting uh, a new series, actually, brand new series today called Song of Solomon. And it comes, it's, it's not a series I came up with, by the way. It's in the Bible, okay? So that is, it's in the Bible. But we're going to get there in a second. You guys know kind of part of my job, my responsibility is uh, to lead you and to feed you, all right? I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm like the shepherd here, so shepherds lead and they feed. And my responsibility is to kind of lead you into different seasons, right? We just came out of a season of 21 days of prayer. We're building habits, and now we're about to go into this season of, of relationships. How many of you know Valentine's Day is coming? All right, guys, make a note of that. Today I gave you a fair warning. It's coming, right? So that's, that's happening actually this week. I can't even believe that. But what I want to do over the next five weeks, I want to lead you in a focus on relationships, okay? Focus on relationships. And last week, we started a focus on relationships through small groups. Who may, how many of you uh, actually got in a group this week? Like, you, you, you were searching. Come on, yeah. The rest of you, I know I just called you out, and I'm like, you, you weren't supposed to do that, Pastor Ben. But I'm just saying, we, groups is where it's at. Groups are where you meet people. It's where, you, where lives change. It's where you get to eat some tacos on Tuesday. Come on, somebody. You, like I, we, we went to a couple groups this week, just had a lot of fun, and just it's, it's fun times. And so I'm telling you, you got to get in a group, not for me, not for the church, for you. Get in a group for you. You can go on our online directory. There's also an insert in your worship guide as well. You can look there and, and find that insert. Get some information. Get in a group, all right? All right, so um, here's what I want to do. Before we get into this message and this series, I want to give you a couple ground rules, okay? Because we're talking about relationships. There's three ground rules I want to get into today. And the first ground rule is this. Don't listen for anybody else but yourself. Amen. Uh-huh. Yeah, because here's going to be the tendency. You're sitting by your spouse or your significant other, somebody that's important to you. Maybe you're dating, you're sitting by them, and you're going to be listening for them. Okay, that's the temptation is to listen for them. And you're going to be thinking to yourself, yeah, I'm so glad she's here today. She needs this. <laughs> All right? Uh, and then she's going to be think, she's going to be elbowing you saying, see, I told you so. You're supposed to be doing that, right? Elbows and all that. So we're listening for ourselves, not for anybody else. Okay, that's the ground rule number one. Number two is we're, we're not going to filter this series through the past. Can I get a witness? Okay, because we've all got a past. We've all had some relationship blunders along the way. No, no, not one of us have gotten it perfect. And we, we've missed some things along the way. And so we just, we're not going to filter it through the past. We serve a God who's the God of fresh starts. We, we serve a God who's the God of do-overs. And it doesn't matter how many relationship blunders you've had, how many divorces you've gone through, you can get this one right in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I believe that. You can, you can get it right this time. But here's the deal. You have to do it God's way. That's the caveat. You got to do it God's way to get it right. Amen? All right. The third, the third thing is that I'm not going to pull any punches in this series. Okay. I'm standing behind the, the table on this one, right? Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to teach anything that Solomon doesn't cover, and I won't look over anything that he does cover. All right? I'm not going to teach anything he doesn't cover, and I'm not going to skip over anything he does cover. So we're going we're to cover it, and we're going to talk about it all. Like in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about the honeymoon, y'all. 
Woo! You men will need to be taking notes that day because it says they made love all night long, all night, all night, all night long. Come on, little Lionel Richie, right? Hey, that was before Lionel, though. That was way before him. This was, this was a couple thousand years ago, and um, they, it might have been, let's get it on, right? <laughs> I don't know what they were playing back then, but they were playing something. They had, they had it going on. I'm, so I'm going to talk about, we're going to talk about it. Take notes, guys. We're going to take notes that we can. Um, there's going to be a couple parts through the series, though, that you might think, I don't know if I want my my kid in the service. I don't know if they're ready to hear this yet. And that's okay. Uh, that's why we have an incredible kids ministry here at church. And you can check them in. You can drop them off. And, and their little ears will be protected. But if they're about 13 or older, they're going to be safe. And I'll tell you this. This is the perfect place to be talking about this kind of stuff. Church is the perfect place. I think we're in, the, we're in the place we are in America because the church put their head in the sand for a while, and we said, we're not going to talk about those things. We're not going to talk about sex. We're not going to talk about promiscuity. We're not going to talk about all these issues because it might hurt somebody, right? Or it, it, you know, it's a, it gets a little weird, and, and we just don't want to do that. And we're going to do that, okay? Because we, what I've decided is we're not going to let the locker room define relationships. We're not going to let the internet or, or people define relationships. We're going to, God defined relationships. Amen. And we're going to have a lot of truth and grace through this, this whole process. But if, if you need childcare, we've got it. If you don't want them to come home asking you questions. Okay. All right. So, uh, there's three main, uh, people in this book. Three main people in the Song of Solomon. The first person is the lover, okay? This is the lover. And, and you can see, this is Solomon. Solomon is King David's son. Solomon was a king himself. Uh, David, his father, was a songwriter. So now Solomon's also a songwriter. Solomon wrote 3,000 proverbs in 1,005 songs. The book, Song of Solomon, or some translations call it Song of Songs, the reason it says Song of Songs, it's like, it's like he's saying King of Kings or Lord of Lords. It's like they're saying, this is the song of all of Solomon's songs. This was the greatest one. And so he's a, he's a songwriter, and he wrote this. He's the lover in the song. Then there's the Shulamite woman. This is, this is the beloved Right? She's the beloved. And a Shulamite, if you don't know what a Shulamite is, a Shulamite is, is a person who still wishes Don Shula was the coach of the Dolphins. <laughs> right? Uh, some of you got that joke, right? It's been a while since they've been on top, but no, uh, th this, is, this is the beloved. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to cover their dating relationship, their marriage. We're going to talk about their honeymoon. We're going to talk about how they fought and how they finished through this process. And then we, we talk about the friends. You see the friends throughout this story. And if, if you're going through your Bible and you're reading along with me, sometimes it can change who's talking mid-verse. It's like one moment he's talking, one moment she's talking, one moment they're talking. So I'm going to try to help you along the way just to kind of know what's what, okay? 
Who's saying what? So I, I know this, before we get going, I know that in today's age, a lot of people do online dating, and I think that's great, man. And I have nothing wrong with that. But some of you are, you, you're kind of toying with that idea. I wanted to give you some tips. If you're doing some online dating, some tips. If, if their profile says this, what they really mean is that, okay? <laughs> so, so here we go. If... If his profile, if, if her profile says she's 40-ish, what that means is she's 49 and a half, all right? <laughs> if, if his profile says he's 40-ish, he's really 55 and he's looking for a 25-year-old, okay? That's, that's what it means. Now, if, um, if his profile says he's huggable, that means he's carrying on a few extra pounds and he's got more body hair than Bigfoot. Come on. He's... <laughs> He's lovable. He's huggable. But if her profile says that she's romantic, that means she looks better by candlelight. Uh, uh-huh. If, if his profile says he's a family guy, that means he is 35 years old, he's still living at home, and he's unemployed. Okay. He... He's a family guy. But if, if her profile says she's independent, that means she has control issues. She will dominate you, and you will like it, right? <laughs> that's, 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 that's the story there. The, the, other, uh, the last one is if, if he says he's emotionally stable, ladies, that's your first clue. He ain't emotionally stable, right? That, that should be a red flag right off the bat. Like, he, he's not okay. That just means that it's been a year since somebody filed a restraining order against him. <laughs> But if, if she says she's a good conversationalist, that just that means she, she never shuts up. She talks and talks and talks. Okay. All right, all right, all right. A little, little fun there as we get into the series. Um, so we're going to get into it. And, and I wanted, what I want to do today is give you four, uh, four attractions that this couple has, four attractions that they have. And we're going to spend most of our time in chapter one, and we'll get into chapter two a little bit. But chapter one, we're looking at... And two, we're looking at four attractions, and I'm going to give you what is that attraction based on, okay? So the first attraction, if you're taking notes, is a spiritual attraction. It's godly character. This spiritual attraction they have to one another, it has to be based on godly character. If you're dating, if you're in that game right now, you're, the, the attraction has to be based on godly Character. Can I get a witness? It does. It has to be based there. And I'm not talking about reputation. See, reputation is totally different than character. Reputation is what other people think about you. Character is who you really are. Okay? And I want you to look at what this young woman says to, to Solomon, the beloved. She says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Right off the bat, it's like up in your face, right? Like, I don't even know what that means. What is she talking? Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for his love. Your love, Solomon, is more delightful than wine. I want you to notice that she's not impressed with his prowess. She's not impressed with his kingship, his authority, his money, his power. None of that matters to her. What she's impressed with is his character. Your love is more delightful than mine. In other words, what she's saying is you know how to treat people well. You carry yourself well. Nobody can say a bad thing about you. You're just, you just stand head and shoulders above everybody else by the way you carry yourself, by your character. In verse 2, she goes on and she says, let, let him kiss me with the kisses of a ma- uh, Oh, I'm sorry. In um, verse 3, says, pleasing is the fragrance 
of your perfumes. Now, the perfumes that she's talking about um, is a rare, expensive, and purified oil, okay? Um, the only thing more rare than this oil or this perfume was a bath, okay? You did, they, they didn't have hot showers back then, y'all. They, so what they would do is they would use this perfume to kind of rub on themselves and, and make, make them look presentable when they went into public. And she says, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name, everybody say name. name. Your name is like this perfume poured out. You think about that. When you go to the New Testament, you see somebody who poured that out on the feet of Jesus, a year's worth of income, okay? Your name, your character, like it, it, it's like this perfume that's been poured out. And a name represents a lot about a person. You can tell a lot by, by a person's name, who they are, where they came from. And so she's saying, your name is, is like this rare, expensive perfume, when you walk into a room, honey, you just make everything better. You just, you just make everything so much better when you come into the room. There's something about you being there and your character. And notice it says, no wonder the maidens love you. Okay? And what that means, she, they, they didn't love him because he was the, the king, because he was in authority. They didn't love him because he was a hottie with a body. They didn't love him because, because of that. They loved him because of his godly character. They wanted a guy like that, and they thought, man, he's just, there's something about this Solomon. So he has this spiritual character, this attraction. People are attracted to his godly character. And, and I, w- I want to say to you ladies here today, maybe you're single, maybe you're in a dating relationship. I would just say to you, the first thing you need to look at in a man isn't what kind of job he has, isn't whether he can throw the football past the 50-yard line. It, it's, it's not his GPA in high school or college. The first thing you need to look at in a man is what is his character? What is his character? What, what, is, he, what, what is he like? Who is this guy? And I know some ladies who would say, Pastor Ben, I want a good guy. Pastor Ben, I, I, I want a Christian guy, but I always seem to end up with guys whose mind is only on one thing. And to you, I would respectfully say, if that's you, then if you don't like the fish you're catching, then maybe try changing the bait you're using. Mm. Um, Because here's the deal. Like attracts like. Like attracts like. If Jesus is first in our lives, it's going to change everything about us. It's going to change where we go, how we act, what we do, how we dress, how we behave. It's going to change everything about us. And when, when you have godly character in your life, can I tell you something? Ungodly people aren't going to want to be around you. If you're living a godly life, ungodly people aren't going to be attracted to somebody like that. So like attracts like. And if you, so how do I know if someone has godly character, Pastor Ben? How do I know that? I'm looking. How do I know? You look at their friends. You look at their friends because like attracts like. Are you with me? You follow me? Like attracts like. Men, it's important for you to find a woman of godly character. And some of you are looking for love in all the wrong places. Right? You, I mean, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. And I can tell you that there's some places you're not going to find the love of your life. So I would just say, start with godly character. 
Find a woman with godly character. So any relationship starts there. There's a spiritual attraction, and it has to be based on godly character. The second attraction that we're going to see this couple has today is an emotional attraction. And this has to be based on godly trust. It's godly trust. We're, we're, not, we're not attracted to one another because, um, because we like the same things, and we have this, you know, I just, I just love her because she makes me feel so good. No, 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 no. It's a godly trust that this couple had. And so in verse 5, the beloved, the Shulamite woman, she says, Dark am I, yet lovely. Okay, I want you to think about that for a second. Let me tell you what that means. She, what she's saying is, I may not be much to look at, like, but I'm still lovely. I, I can still be loved, and I can still love. It's not all about the outward appearance. Come on, somebody. God, God does, is not worried about the outside. He's worried about the inside. And she says, the, the, I'm dark like the tents of Kedar. The tents of Kedar were made of this fine goat hair, black goat hair. She's a dark lady. And I'll tell you why she's dark in just a moment. She's insecure about her skin color, about the way that she looks. In verse 6, she says, don't stare at me because I'm dark because I'm darkened by the sun. Don't let that be the thing that you're focusing on. Don't let that be the thing that, that uh, draws your attention. Man looks at the outward, God looks at the inward. So she's darkened by the sun. Now in t- today's society, everybody wants to be dark skinned. Everybody's going to the tanning bed. After a few years, you look like an old worn out leather cu- couch. I mean, you just, you've been, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I've never been in a tanning bed. I shouldn't have said that. but. Um, but we, you know, I got sunburned yesterday just being out, uh, doing a little fishing by the lake. I, we, we like to get a little sun on us. In those days, they didn't like that. Lighter skin was more attractive. So this, this lady, uh, the Shulamite woman, her dark skin represents that she's been in hard labor. It represents that she's been in the vineyard. It, it represents that she's been abused by the sun. And whenever she would go to town, she, she inevitably, she must have lived in the, in the country because she worked vineyards and farms. When she would go to town, all of these pale-skinned, light-skinned people are there, and she's embarrassed by that because she's dark-skinned. And she's saying, don't look at that. Don't let that throw you off. In verse 6, she says, the reason I'm dark is because my brothers, my mom's sons, made me work in the, in the vineyard. They forced me. I was forced into labor, she says. And I was taking care of everybody else's vineyards, but I neglected my own. In other words, she says, I didn't take care of my own self. I was was so busy taking care of everybody else and working for them that I didn't take care of me. She says, don't let that that be the thing that you look at. I'm embarrassed by it. And men, we've got to understand this. Can I just tell us, men, that every woman on planet Earth no matter how beautiful they are, is insecure about something. There's something that they don't like. There's something that they don't like about themselves. And I want you to notice what he does. He doesn't point it out to her. No, no, no. He loves her through it. He builds her. He builds godly trust with her. You're going to see that in just a second, how he builds that trust. So we need this spiritual attraction in relationship, in marriage. We need an emotional attraction based on godly trust. But number three, this is where the, the, the physical attraction comes. 
But I want you to be careful with a physical attraction because it has to be based on godly standards. It has to be based on godly standards. And I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase before. Dave Ramsey, the the famous financial guy, he says, if you want to live like no one else now, then if you want to live like no one else later, live like no one else now. If you want to live like no one else one day, when you're retired, then you got to live like no one else now. You got to save more. You got to spend less. You got to put some money back in retirement if you want to live like nobody else later on, right? And and I would just say that's true for relationships. That if we want something different than what the world has, we're gonna have to do something different than what the world does. I like that. If we want something different than what everybody else is experiencing we got to do something different than what they're doing. And that's what this couple did in verse 7. The beloved, she says, she says, tell me, you whom I love. Man, I love you, Solomon. You're my man, but tell me this. Tell me where, where you graze your flock, where you rest your sheep at midday. Why, why should I be like a veiled woman? Now, a veiled woman was a prostitute. She was a woman of the, of the night. What would happen was um, these women, these veiled women, these prostitutes, they would hang out by the edge of the field, and they would just wait for some poor soul who's tired and weary, and they would just get it on right there at the edge of the field. Uh, it, it was prostitution, human trafficking, however you want to look at it. She says, why should I be like that? Why, why, should, why should I look, act like those women? I'm not going there. She's setting her boundaries. She's setting her standards. She says, I'm not going to do that. There's some women who might be willing to act that way, to live that way, but there's some things I'm just not going to do. She, she says that. And, and she, says, if, if you, she says, if you want this, I can just picture her saying, if you want this, you've got to get way past the physical because that's not what it's about. She says, you're going to have to get past that. I'm not going to be like those veiled women. And here's the thing. She has godly standards, but it doesn't turn Solomon off. He doesn't go, well, I guess I'll go look somewhere else then. No, it's attractive to him. He's been looking for a lady like this. It's attractive to him. And so we've got to understand this in, in marriage and dating. As young people, as you're dating, listen to me. God designed sexual relationships to be between a man and a woman in the confines of marriage. That's what our Bible teaches us. That's what we believe. And everybody else may be sleeping around. People in school may be telling stories about what they're doing in the college world, in your adult world, at work. You, you may, I'm sure you've heard conversations about things like that. And it seems like everybody's doing it. But, but you decide as a young couple, as an engaged couple, you, you, you make a decision, we're not going to do that. We're not going to live that way. And here's, here's the deal. You have two options, two options when it comes to sexual relationships. Ready for them? Okay, two options. The first one is you can choose to honor God together, and you can save yourself for marriage. You, you can save yourself from, from, uh, uh, for your wedding night, and people are going to make fun of you. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to call you old-fashioned. They're going to say, man, you, you're, just, you're behind on the times. Everybody's doing it. It's no big deal. But what you're doing is you're, you're saying, I would rather have the approval of God rather than the approval of man. I would rather have the approval of God than the approval of man. That's option number one. I'm going to save myself. 
and we're not going there. Option number two is you can sin together. Those are your two options. You can honor God together, or you can sin together. So why does that matter? Why are we talking about that, Ben? What does that matter in the grand scheme of things? It matters because, you, because you're building a foundation for something. It, it matters because your marriage is foundational. And, and I wanna, I'm, just, I'm not pulling punches here, y'all. So this is, this is one of those tough points. If you sin together before marriage, you're compromising. And when you get married, you're marrying a compromiser. And if you're willing to compromise before marriage on the most sacred and holy act of marriage, if you're willing to compromise there, your spouse might be wondering, what else are they willing to compromise on? We did, we did that before marriage. What else are they willing to do after we get married? What, what are the boundaries? Where are their limits? And you're building a foundation for something. And on your wedding night, if you choose to compromise, your honeymoon is not going to be anything spectacular. It's going to be business as usual, just another day at the office. And I know, I, I know in this room there are people who didn't start off the right way. Annalise and I were able to start off the right way. But before Annalise, I was, I was promiscuous. When I was a young man, I'm not proud of that. I wish I had saved myself. I know there's some people in the room today, you didn't start your relationship off that way, and there's no guilt, there's no condemnation. In fact, you were a gold medalist in naked gymnastics. That's just, that was you. You, man, you, you had all kinds of awards, right? So um, there's no condemnation coming from here to you at all. But what I'm saying is you have a choice today to say from this day forward. From this day forward, we're not going to live like that. We're going to choose to honor God together and not sin together. We're going to choose to raise the standards and have higher standards in our life from this day forward. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yes. So here's our, here's our last attraction, our last quality that kind of goes along with it. It is this. They have this relational attraction, relational attraction, and it's based on godly encouragement. So they, they didn't, hey, look, Solomon and the Shulamite woman, they, they didn't get together right here. They're just setting standards. They're setting some standards. And, and he begins to encourage her. You're going to see in just a moment. Now, remember, what was she insecure about? Her skin color. She was insecure by, by how the son had abused her, and she was, a, she, she was, she was embarrassed by that. And what he, you're going to notice what he does is he builds her up. He doesn't tear her down. He builds her up. And in verse 9, Solomon says, I liken you, my darling, to a mare. Guys, don't try this at home, all right? <laughs> don't, don't go home and say, girl, you as sexy as a horse. No, not a good idea. Don't do it. And she says, I liken you, my darling, to a... He, he says, I liken you, my darling, to a mare. You're, you're, you're like a horse harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. Okay. Let me give you a little bit of clarity on what that means. Because this horse, this horse that she's talking about is a majestic animal. Okay. It's, it's a white horse. It was known, it, like, it was one of the, the, the most majestic animals in all of Pharaoh's land. It was thought to be godlike. 
It was just so incredibly beautiful. And what he's saying to her is, he's not saying, girl, you're as sexy as a horse. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, girl, you're like a goddess. You're like a goddess. Like you're the closest thing to heaven on earth. Whoa. Right? And, and, and he says, I know you don't like the way you look about. I, I know you're concerned and you're a little embarrassed. You're insecure about how you look. But let me tell you something. You, you, you're one of the most beautiful and most prized possessions in all of Pharaoh's land. That's the way you are to me. Come on. You like it when somebody talks to you like that, right? He's encouraging her and lifting her up. And in verse 15, he says, how, how beautiful you are. My darling, how beautiful your, eye, your eyes are as doves. Your eyes are doves. And, and we're, but we're at the end of this psalm, or in the end of this song, before he even starts talking about her physical appearance. Now, I want you to notice that. He doesn't start, he doesn't start off with lust and love. He doesn't start off with, I like big butts and I cannot lie. <laughs> he doesn't start there. He skips right over that part, brings it on a little bit later. <laughs> Some of you need to change that to, I like big Bibles. I like big Bibles and I cannot lie, right? He, he, starts, he starts with character. They start with character. They build this godly trust. Then they set some godly standards. We're not going to go there, right? We're not going to do that. And then they have, this, they have this godly encouragement that's going on. And here's the deal. Guys, there's some of us that have fallen from the ugly tree. I'm telling you, we, we hit every branch on the way down, right? And, and you may not be the best-looking guy on the planet, but here's the deal about women. They're pretty amazing. When you lay your life down for a woman... When you serve her, when you cherish her, when you, when you value her, suddenly you get a whole lot better looking. You, you're, you're, you're more appealing, right? When you love a woman, she's created to give that love back to you in ways that only she can, in ways that you don't deserve, that you don't earn. When you lead her closer to Christ, you're going to be more blessed because of it. And that's what he's doing here. And I want you to notice this. They, they've built their, their relationship on godly, on, on godly uh, spirituality, character, and they're all the way up now to this encouragement. And notice what starts to happen to her. Notice how she responds to his love, to his affection, to his words of encouragement. Number one, she feels special because of it. She feels special. In, in chapter 2, verse 1, she says, I'm a rose of Sharon. I'm a lily of the valleys. I want you to notice she, she's, it's singular. I'm a rose of Sharon. I'm a lily of the valleys. What she's saying is you make me feel like I'm one in a million. Like you make me feel so special. She's saying, you make me feel like a natural woman. Mama. That's why, I mean, he's making her feel so special in this moment. And, and, and then he responds by saying, hey, you're, you're more than that. You're a lily among the thorns. He's, he's saying everybody else doesn't even compare to you. Everybody else looks like thorns, and, and you're the rose. Come on. He, he's, he's still encouraging her. He says, uh, you're uh, like a lily among thorns is my darling among the maidens. 
You stand above them all. They're just a bunch of thorns compared to you. And remember, in chapter one, how did she feel? Insecure. She, she was embarrassed how she looked and, and what happens to her. He's loving her through those insecurities. He's not pointing them out. He's not saying, you need to get over it. No, no, he's loving her through it. He adores her. He cherishes her. He adds value to her life. And men, that's our job as a husband. Come on, ladies. That's our job as a husband. Amen, Amen right? We, that's what we do. He also, next thing he does, she begins to feel special. Because he's doing these things, she begins to feel secure. She feels special. She feels secure. And one of the greatest things we can do, guys, is to give your bride the gift of security. The gift of security. The, the gift of knowing everything's going to be okay because my man is here. Amen? And in verse 3, chapter 2, verse 3, she says, Like an apple tree among the, the trees of the forest is my lover. Remember what she's insecure about. She says, like, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. I don't know what that line means. But I looked it up in my study Bible, and I'm honest to God truth. It says this. It says, the precise nature of this fruit is uncertain. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but whoo. Hey, here's, here's, here's the deal. What was she insecure about? Her looks, her skin. And, and here's the deal. The sun was beating down on her. She was abused by the sun. Now what is she doing? She's sitting in his shade. She feels secure in him. She, she feels like this is where I belong. This is, this is where I feel so special. I'm protected. I'm safe in his shade. And no one can do this for a woman like her husband. No one can do it for a woman like, like her husband. Amen. So, men, I'm going to close out today. I'm going to give you three, three things, three ways that you can bring security to your husband. So, men, you can take these notes or you can have your wife take them for you and remind you about it later. Okay. All right. The, the first thing, men, that we can do is you, we just need to remember you are her pastor. Nope. I'm the pastor of this church, but the Bible says you're the leader of the home. You're the pastor, you're the shepherd, you're the spiritual leader of the home. You're the one who's setting the tone in your home. You're the one who's leading her to Christ. You're the one praying over the meals. You're the one who's bringing her to church. You're, you're the one who's saying, let's stay for growth track today. You're the one who's saying, let's get in a group today. You're the one who's leading spiritually. You bring the kids to church because, because stay-at-home families don't produce go-to-church kids. You're the, you're the one who's leading. You're the one making the house of God a priority. You're pastoring your family. You're the pastor of your family. Number two, remember that you are her provider. You're her provider. And that's not saying that she can't make money. In fact, she might make more money than you make. But you set the tone in the family. You set the tone that, hey, we're not going to spend 120% of our income. We're going to live below our means. We're going to tithe on what God brings into us. We're going to give 10% right back to him. We're not going to have more month left at the end of our money. We're going to use it wise. We're going to spend our money well. And number three, remember that you're a protector. You are a protector. 
Guys, you're a little bit stronger than your woman physically. Not so that you can put her in her place. Not so that you can, that you can use your strength against her. You're stronger than her physically so you can lay your life down for her. I'm going to say that again. You're stronger than her so you can lay your life down for her. It's, it's when you say, I'm not going to let anything hurt you. I'm going to protect your heart. I'm going to protect the way that you feel. I'm going to protect you with the purity of my mind. I'm not going to do something that hurts your heart. I'm, your, I'm protecting you. And she feels special because of that. She feels special. So um, when, when we do this for our wives, if you're engaged, you've you got to set those godly standards, right? But when you're married... Check out what happens. Verse 5, it says, she says, the beloved says, strengthen me with raisins. Refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. Now, I don't know if you know it or not, but in those days, apples and raisins were 100% an aphrodisiac. Well, what is that, Pastor Ben? A sexual stimulant. She said, I'm faint with love. I need some strength right now. She's, she's wanting to give herself to her, to her man. Why? Because he has given himself to her. He has loved her. He's made her feel secure. And, and she said, I need some apples. Come on, I need some raisins. Hey, there's going to be a run to Market Street after this service today. <laughs> they're going to sell out of raisins and apples, and they're going to be like, what's going on? Why are, what's happening around here? Men will be coming home like, man, I got you some raisins. <laughs> I got you some apples. And, whew, yeah. I don't know what kind, so don't come up after the service and be like, is there a certain kind of apple like Granny Smith or Gala? What, what am I looking for? Honeycrisp? I don't know. I don't know. But she's, she wants to give herself to him because he has given himself to her. They've built this relationship on godly character. They built this relationship on, on godly trust, on godly standards. They built this relationship on godly encouragement. And in verse 6, she says, his, his arm is under my, his left arm is under my head. His right arm embraces me. And she feels special. She feels secure. She feels loved because he's given himself to her. And it all started with godly character, godly trust, higher standards, and a constant encouragement. Amen? Woo. I don't know about you, but I like that sermon. We, gonna, we got plenty of apples. I don't know about raisins at home, but we're going to... Hey. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? You know, what's the, whole, what's the, what's the big takeaway? What's the big takeaway? And, and, and I don't know what that is for you, but uh, let me close this out with prayer. If you don't mind, just bow your head today. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you that you are in reckless pursuit of us, God. You are in reckless pursuit of us. Lord, I'm praying for every relationship here today. For those who are, they're single, maybe they're dating, they're in that, that dating game. Lord, I, th I thank you that they have the ability right now to put some standards out there 
Lord, maybe there's been some times where they, they were close to crossing the line, to compromising. God, I'm praying that you would help them today set some standards today, that today from this day forward, their relationship would be built on godly character, godly trust, godly standards, godly encouragement. Lord, let that relationship be firmly planted in you today. Lord, for marriages that may be struggling and they feel like there's no fire left in our marriage, God, I'm praying that you'd give men the ability to to pastor their families well, to love their woman well, to to be like Solomon was to the Shulamite woman, that source of encouragement, that leader in the home. God, I'm praying that you would fill families with your grace and your truth, reconcile marriages, restore relationships today, Father. I thank you for that, God. Thank you that we have a roadmap today. We have this practical teaching we can take home and we can apply to our lives. So with your head bowed, your eyes closed today, if you are here and you don't, you're far from God today, maybe you, maybe, you, maybe you have zero standards. You've been doing life your own way. I'm just asking, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What's he whispering to your heart? How are you going to leave today? Are you going to leave transformed? Are you going to leave on the same path? Are you going to leave on a path of destruction and doing it your way? Are you going to surrender? You're going to give God a chance today. And if you're here and you say, Ben, I'm ready to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I'm ready to quit running. I'm ready to quit doing it my way. I want Jesus to be the Lord of everything. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand right where you are. Slip up your hand. Be bold and courageous about that. Be bold and courageous. Say, that's me, Ben. I want to start fresh and new today with a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to start fresh and new. Amen. Come on, let's say this prayer together. Let's say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I belong to you. I am yours. I surrender my life. Not my will. Your will be done. Will you forgive me? Cleanse me. Give me a fresh start. And from this day forward, I will live for you the best I know how. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.